Welcome to Real Paranormal Activity, the network. Entertainment you'll enjoy. You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Ladies and gentlemen, Real Paranormal Activity is proud to present Terry's Mysterious Moments. Welcome to Terry's Mysterious Moments, Season 3. Thank you for joining me on this journey into the odd, the weird, the strange. Hope you'll enjoy it. Now, on with the show. Hello, my Mysterians. I hope everyone had a great Christmas and Happy New Year, everybody. Happy 2020. This time I've got just a collection of short mysteries, some of the most fascinating unsolved mysteries in America. The Georgia Guidestones. Sometimes called the American Stonehenge, the granite monument was built in 1979 in Elbert County, Georgia, in a field off Highway 77. It contains Ten Commandments for an Age of Reason, written in eight languages, English, Spanish, Swahili, Hindi, Hebrew, Arabic, Chinese, and Russian. But these aren't commandments like you'd find in the Old Testament. Some of the messages written on these four granite slabs, each almost 20 feet tall, are controversial, like this one. Maintain humanity under 500 million in perpetual balance with nature. Stranger still, nobody is sure who paid for all this. A man claiming responsibility went by the pseudonym of R.C. Christian, and even the crew that built the monument for him knew nothing about his true identity. There are plenty of wild conspiracy theories, like that the monument was commissioned by a Luciferian secret society announcing the beginnings of a new world order, but the truth remains elusive, and for now, it's one of the most impressive unsolved mysteries of the world that you can find on the side of the road. For a fuller telling of this story, check out Season 3, Episode 3, that's earlier this year, of Terry's Mysterious Moments. The Boston Heist Paintings The world's biggest unsolved art heist happened almost 30 years ago, and we're still no closer to finding out what happened to all that priceless art. It happened on the night of March 18, 1990, when two art thieves, disguised as police officers, tricked security guards at Boston's Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum into letting them inside late at night. They handcuffed the guards and made off with 13 famous paintings by artists like Rembrandt, Christ in the Storm on the Sea of Galilee, Vermeer, the Concert, and Flink, Landscape with an Obelisk, for a total value estimated to be around $500 million. There have been a lot of crazy ideas about who masterminded this unsolved mystery, from mobsters to a California screenwriter to the Irish Republican Army to South Boston gangster James Whitey Bulger, 
But so far, there have been no promising leads. The museum hasn't given up hope of finding the lost art. They extended indefinitely their $10 million reward for anyone who helps recover the missing masterpieces. Until then, it remains one of the art world's top unsolved mysteries. Bird Deaths in Arkansas I don't know if birds in Arkansas are more depressed than other birds the world over, or if the state, the the land, not the populace, of Arkansas just has a thing against birds. On New Year's Eve in 2010, in the small town of B.B., Arkansas, 5,000 blackbirds freaked out and slammed into buildings, telephone poles, and trees, dying instantly. It was disconcerting when it happened, really, but at least there was a plausible explanation. Celebratory fireworks had spooked the birds, according to Arkansas officials, causing them to fly all over the place. It was a one-time occurrence that would never happen again, except it happened the very next year, on New Year's Eve 2011, despite the ban on fireworks in BB to make sure there weren't any more mass bird casualties. Only 200 birds died this time, but that didn't make it any less bizarre. Theorists developed crazy ideas as they usually do for unsolved mysteries, that the bird deaths were an ominous omen about the Mayan calendar, signaling the end of the world, which of course turned out not to be true. A, the apocalypse didn't come, did it? But no explanations that really made sense were given. If birds were freaked out by fireworks, why weren't New Year's Eve bird deaths more common? and how to explain the second year in a row of birds falling from the sky. It hasn't happened since, but the mystery of what killed all those BB birds remains a chilling riddle and one of the grimmer mysteries of the world. Cryptos. Outside CIA's headquarters in Langley, Virginia, there's a peculiar-looking statue, 12 feet tall and made of curved copper, and it was first unveiled in 1990. Named Kryptos, an ancient Greek word for secret or hidden, it contains 1,800 characters on four encrypted messages, three of which have already been solved, but one that remains one of the top unsolved mysteries. Jim Sanborn, the sculptor who created it, revealed another clue in 2014, something to do with Berlin and clock. We don't get it either, but thousands of professional and amateur cryptographers are still trying to decode the final unsolved mystery, which is just 97 letters long. The Beale Ciphers It sounds like one of those Old West legends that should probably be taken with a grain of salt, and in my opinion should probably be taken with an entire salt shaker. Sometimes in the 1800s, as the story goes, And when you have a story that says, as the story goes, you can pretty much believe that it's hokum. A Virginian named Thomas J. Beale discovered a fortune in gold and silver while hunting for buffalo north of Santa Fe, New Mexico. That could be possible. He took the treasure back to Virginia and buried it there, somewhere near Bedford County. As a sort of treasure map, 
He wrote three encrypted messages, which held the secrets to finding his massive fortune, worth an estimated $43 million in 2018 dollars. He left the letters with a friend, and after Beale died, taking the secrets with him, they were published in 1885 as the Beale Papers. The search has been ongoing ever since. So far, only one of the ciphertext has been cracked, which revealed the contents of Beale's treasure, but not where to find it. There are plenty of theories floating around, including that the whole thing might have been a hoax by Edgar Allan Poe. A hoax? Really? No. The KGC, the Knights of the Golden Circle, or KGC for short, were a secret society of wealthy Southern loyalists formed just before the Civil War, devoted not just to defending their values, i.e. owning all the slaves they wanted, but conquering parts of Mexico, Central America, and Cuba to create a Confederate empire. It also played heavily in the plotline of the theatrical release National Treasure, Book of Secrets. Their members had an abundance of gold and weapons, and purportedly some infamous members, including Jesse James and John Wilkes Booth. The Jesse James robberies may have contributed to the KGC secret stash, and in fact, the assassination of President Abraham Lincoln may have been a KGC plot from the beginning, at least according to word-of-mouth legends. The KGC disappeared just a few decades after the war ended, or so it appeared, leaving behind one of the greatest unsolved mysteries of the world. There's still speculation that they went just deeper into hiding and continued their plots to overthrow the U.S. federal government. Oh, and they may have buried treasure somewhere, waiting to be discovered, or used to fund the Second Civil War, whichever comes first. It's possible that gold coins discovered by a California couple in 2014 were originally hidden there by the KGC. For all you techies, here's the wow signal. It was 1977, and astronomer Jerry Eman was using a radio signal detector from Ohio State University to scan the stars around the constellation Sagittarius. He picked up a 72-second radio frequency that seemed to be coming from deep space. He wrote, wow, in the margin of his computer printout, which is probably the most breezy reaction ever to thinking that you've just made contact with extraterrestrials. That'd be like saying, oh, cool. There have been many attempts at debunking the story in recent years, like a 2017 theory that it was just a pair of comets passing near our planet. But the no-way-it-was-aliens explanations have been just as quickly refuted. Have aliens been trying to make contact since the first Star Wars was released? Nobody knows for sure. I always like it when I hear a story about a gangster that has hidden wealth somewhere. The treasure of Dutch Schultz. Dutch Schultz was a gangster in the 20s and 30s who made his fortune by bootlegging alcohol and the numbers racket. But like all gangsters, he was pretty sure somebody was going to try to shoot him. Also, like a lot of gangsters, he had boatloads of money. So he hid it somewhere in the ballpark of 5 to $9 million in cash, gold, and jewels. He put it in an iron box or steel suitcase, 
drove it out to the Catskill Mountains near Phoenicia, New York, with his bodyguard Lulu, and buried it. He may have even marked a nearby tree with an X. Sure enough, he was murdered not long after, gunned down in a New Jersey chop house in 1935. His treasure, if it ever existed at all, is still out there. It's just waiting for somebody to notice a tree with a big X marked on it. The Phoenix Lights I will not argue a point over the Phoenix Lights. I only saw them on video. I did not see them in person. I do not know what they were. But what exactly did people see in the skies over Phoenix on March 13, 1997? Was it a secret military spacecraft? A natural phenomenon? Or perhaps alien visitors from another galaxy? Whatever it was, thousands of Arizonans saw the unusual lights in the sky, which looked like a huge upside-down V that moved slowly overhead, made no sound, and occasionally stopped to hover in one location. It was either the size of several football fields or, depending on who you asked, a mile wide. Even Escape from New York actor Kurt Russell saw the strange light show while landing his private plane in Phoenix. Whatever all these people witnessed, the official explanation is that it was just military flares, it had such a profound effect that many of those who saw whatever they saw gather together every year in the foothills of the McDowell Mountains outside of Phoenix to talk about their experience and try to figure it out. What the heck was that? I can remember the revelation of the Phoenix Lights being presented on the Art Bell-hosted Coast to Coast radio show back then. D.B. Cooper On November 24, 1971, a man known only as D.B. Cooper boarded Northwest Airlines Flight 305 for a short flight from Portland to Seattle and hijacked it using a briefcase that he claimed contained a bomb. In Seattle, he released all 36 passengers and demanded that authorities give him $200,000 and several parachutes. Then he instructed the pilots to fly to Mexico and remain slow and low to the ground with the rear door unlocked. That was the last anybody saw of him. Did he successfully jump from the plane and escape with thousands of dollars? Nobody knows for sure. In 1980, a boy in Portland uncovered bundles of cash in a sandpit worth around $5,800 and matching the serial numbers of the missing cash. The FBI has claimed that Cooper couldn't have survived the jump, but they issued a new composite in 2017 of what he may look like today, which doesn't sound like something you do if a suspect is assumed deceased. The Zodiac Killer San Francisco police have investigated 2,500 suspects since the 1960s, but there's still no closer to finding the so-called Zodiac Killer, who terrorized the San Francisco Bay Area for several decades, murdering at least seven people, although he claimed to have at least 37 victims. He sent taunting letters to the police and the press with encrypted messages that promised clues to his identity and chilling messages about his victims, claiming they went to the slaughter like a lamb, and his own mental health. I am not sick, he wrote in one letter. I am insane. 
It's been 44 years since a killer last made contact, and there have been no leads. A man claimed in 2014 that his deceased dad was the killer, but the case remains cold and one of the most chilling unsolved mysteries of the world. Escaped from Alcatraz For almost 30 years, from 1934 to 1963, the federal prison on Alcatraz Island in San Francisco Bay had a reputation as the most inescapable penitentiary in the U.S., Everybody who tried to escape were either caught or died, except for three convicted bank robbers, Clarence Anglin, John Anglin, and Frank Morris, who escaped the prison in 1962, digging their way to freedom with spoons and sailing away in a raft made out of raincoats. But did they drown in the frigid waters or get swept away to sea? Their bodies were never found, so it's anybody's guess. A letter, allegedly, from one of the escapees was discovered earlier in 2018, which read, My name is John Anglin. I escaped from Alcatraz in June 1962 with my brother Clarence and Frank Morris. I am 83 years old and in bad shape. I have cancer. Yes, we all made it that night, but barely. Is it real, or is it a forgery? Of course, nobody knows for sure. Bugsy Siegel's unsolved murder. The only thing we know for sure about the murder of notorious gangster Bugsy Siegel, who helped create the Las Vegas Strip, is that it involved bullets. Lots of bullets. They riddled his body in Beverly Hills, California on June 20, 1947. The conventional wisdom is that mob boss Meyer Lansky had Siegel offed because he was annoyed at how much the gangster was spending to build his Flamingo Resort. The original budget was $1 million, but Siegel's expenses had ballooned to more than six times that amount. But in recent years, the family of a deceased Slavic truck driver named Moose claimed he pulled the trigger on Siegel to stop him from murdering the husband of the woman he was sleeping with. Well, that's a long story, apparently. But the police aren't so sure about that. According to a Beverly Hills Police Department spokesman, Siegel's death is still an open case, meaning it's one of those unsolved murders we might never get an answer to. You know we had to get there, Area 51. You could say Area 51 is the pinnacle of unsolved mysteries, simply because nobody can get in there. Just how famous is it? Ask anyone what they think it is, and most people will probably answer something like, oh, that's where the government keeps the space aliens. They could be right. They probably aren't, but they could be. This remote Air Force base in the middle of the Nevada desert, about 150 miles from Las Vegas, has been the subject of some weird rumors over the years. There's the alien conspiracy, of course, which dates back to 1947, when that wonderful extraterrestrial craft supposedly crashed in Roswell, New Mexico, and the ship and alien bodies were brought back to the base to be studied. But that's the least of the secret goings-on at Area 51. There are rumors that this is where the government is secretly controlling our weather, where time travel machines are being developed, and perhaps the most insane story, where they keep the mutant midgets caught flying Soviet airplanes. Peter Merlin, the historian and author who's been investigating Area 51 for over three decades, says, 
The forbidden aspect of Area 51 is what makes people want to know what's there. Yeah, keep wondering. Who or what actually killed Harry Houdini? The official cause of death in 1926 for famed escape artist Harry Houdini was complications from a ruptured appendix. But in the days after his death, newspaper headlines screamed, Was Houdini murdered? Now you might want to ask, who's going to kill a magician? In a 2006 biography, The Secret Life of Houdini, authors William Kalish and Larry Sloman make a case against the spiritualist community who believe they could communicate with ghosts and vice versa. Houdini regularly mocked them for these claims. They're listed as possible assassins. If one were to suspect Houdini a victim of foul play, they write, then the section of organized crime that was composed of fraudulent spirit mediums must be considered likely suspects. Especially damning was a letter from Sherlock Holmes author and devoted spiritualist Arthur Conan Doyle, who promised that Houdini would get his just desserts very exactly meted out. I think there is a general payday coming soon. Well, what happened to Judge Crater? When it comes to nicknames, the only one you really, really don't want is the most missingest man in New York. I don't want to be anything in New York. But that's what happened to 41-year-old Joseph F. Crater, a Supreme Court justice who was last seen leaving a restaurant on August 6, 1930. What happened to him is anybody's guess. He could have been killed, he had plenty of enemies, and there were rumors for a while that he was buried under a section of the Coney Island boardwalk. But there were also rumblings that he had fled the country with the mistress. His disappearance became such a huge topic of public speculation that for a brief time, the phrase, pulling a crater, was a popular slang term for disappearing. As in, why didn't you tell me you were going to leave the party early? I turned around and you were gone. You pulled a crater on me. Yeah. Nixon's missing 18 and a half minutes. There's so much we still don't know about the Watergate scandal that rocked the presidency of Richard Nixon, which forced his resignation on August 8th of 1974. The biggest mystery might be those missing 18 and a half minutes from Nixon's tapes, the secret recordings he made of every conversation that took place in his Oval Office. Nobody knows for sure what was on the tapes. They may have been conversations between Nixon and his chief of staff, Bob Haldeman, or what they revealed. Nixon's secretary, Rosemary Woods, claimed responsibility for at least some of the erasure, claiming she accidentally hit the record button while transcribing the tapes, but only admitted culpability for five minutes of them. Various possible culprits included Nixon's lawyer and even former chief of staff Alexander Haig, who blamed the whole thing on a sinister force. Lizzie Borden. When a wealthy couple in Fall River, Massachusetts were butchered in their own home with an axe in 1892, there was only one plausible suspect, their 32-year-old daughter Lizzie, who lived with the couple. The entire town assumed she was guilty, and indeed she wasn't her best ally, giving inconsistent answers to investigators and choosing an odd time, right after the death of her parents, to suddenly start burning her old clothes. It did seem like she was hiding evidence. Prior to the murders, she was also upset with her parents, her stepmother in particular, for being especially frugal with their finances. 
When Lizzie was acquitted, the town turned against her, treating her like a murderer who had somehow escaped justice. She was scorned in public and became the subject of children's rhymes. Lizzie Borden took an axe, gave her mother forty wax. When she saw what she had done, she gave her father forty-one. Even now, it's one of the most enduring unsolved mysteries of the world. Did she do it? Did Lizzie get away with murder? Jimmy Hoffa's disappearance is the one that really worries us. It's not really a surprise that Jimmy Hoffa, the infamous labor leader and Teamster president, who went to prison for jury tampering, mail fraud, and bribery, among other crimes, would be murdered. You can't be that corrupt without making a few enemies. But the real mystery is, where's his body? Is it buried someplace? Hidden in cement? Or at the bottom of a lake? Nobody knows, or at least nobody's talking. And it's been one of the most disturbing unsolved mysteries of the world. The only evidence ever found was a single three-inch brown hair which matched Hoffa's DNA in the back seat of a car that may have been his last ride alive. Even Hoffa's daughter, a retired judge in St. Louis, isn't hopeful anymore. I guess it won't be solved, she says. It would be a comfort to find his body, but I don't think we will. Now, any of you who are my age, I'm 59, will remember who I'm talking about. The Max Headroom TV hacking. You remember Max Headroom? He advertised for one of the sodas, and he he stuttered and jumped around on screen a lot. Long before the word hacking was a part of our national vocabulary, two Chicago television stations in 1987 were briefly taken over by a mysterious hacker who interrupted broadcast signals and appeared on screen wearing a Max Headroom mask and sunglasses. You don't know who Max Headroom is. Go ahead and Google him. The first attack happened during a news segment that lasted just 25 seconds in which the Headroom character said and did nothing. But the second intrusion, the one that ticked everybody off during an 11 p.m. broadcast of a Doctor Who broadcast on PBS, the guy dressed like Max mooned the audience and was spanked by a flyswatter. What did it all mean? Who was responsible? And what in the world was the point? Google the video for yourself and share if any of it makes sense, because it showed on to me. Another one that I've reported on is the Taos hum. In the small town of Taos in north central New Mexico, there's a buzzing sound, or maybe a low frequency drone, that's been annoying and or fascinating people since at least the early 1990s. What the heck is it? The townspeople complained to Congress in 1993 and various studies have been conducted trying to figure out what's actually going on. Attempts to find a source have come up empty-handed. Is it a high-pressure gas line? Is it industrial equipment? Is it low-frequency electromagnetic radiation? Or maybe top-secret military experiments that the government doesn't want us to know about. So far, nobody's been able to find the culprit and the mystery endures. Personally, I think it's the alien version of those cars we see and can't help but hear that ride around with the loudest, crappiest, and most vulgar music issuing forth from their POS cars. We just don't know where the spaceship or ships that's being so irritatingly obnoxious is.
Well, that's the show for this week. I hope you enjoyed it. I thank you for being along for the ride and be with me next week as we come back with another story or another group of stories for Terry's Mysterious Moments. I want to remind you that on Mondays, Aaron Hunter brings you Real Paranormal Activity, the podcast, which is listener stories that Aaron tells, mostly ghost stories. And on Tuesdays, we have Aaron Frail with Aaron's Horror Show, where he reviews horror movies, different books, uh, things that he's written. And on Wednesdays, it's me, Terry's Mysterious Moments, with me, Terry from Texas, where we cover just about anything you can think of. And on alternating Thursdays, or every other Thursday, however you want to look at that, we have Patrick Sean Jones with the Sandman Lullaby. We also have video productions on the first Friday of the month from Full Dark Productions, from The Witching Hour, and from Unexplained Cases. Also remember that you can go to your app store, whether you have an Apple or an Android, you can go to your app store, look for the RPA app. It's a black square with a blue eye right in the middle of it. You can't miss it. And you can download that app, install it into the device you uh, listen to the programs on, and that way you will not have to go looking for the programs. They'll be right there. Do that. It'll be a lot easier for you to get to the stories. That's about it. I hope everybody has a good week. Thanks for being here. Bye-bye. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.